Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 67, using Laura Drake's Checklist for Openings, coming to you on Tuesday, May 22nd, 2018. Now, you may remember that Laura Drake was our guest on Thursday. She was episode 65, the first five pages, and she was helping us to understand how important the first five pages are in order to sell your manuscript to an editor or to get an agent or to get uh, the reader's attention when you're self-publishing your novel yourself. So... We went over a lot of really interesting ideas and tips and tricks that Laura had, but she also told us that she had a checklist for openings that she uses, and she was willing to give it away to listeners. Yay! So I thought, why don't we just cover a few items on it? Now, I say a few because the list is 21 items long, so it's a nice full page, which is kind of great. Um, But let's just cover a few of the things um, just to help us to kind of get our... Uh, juices flowing, our creativity going, our imagination, and think about like some of the things that Laura was talking about when it comes to starting a book or starting a chapter or starting a scene. Now, remember that for the most part, this is about um, rewriting. So one of the things that I wanted to remind you is that, for instance, one of the items on her list are is to remember to use power words. So for instance, I've talked to a lot of people who are, you know, writing their first book or they have um, written a couple of manuscripts, but they haven't um, published it yet. And they're at first unaware and then later appalled at how much that they use the uh, to be verbs. So was, um, you know, all the was, is, are instead of a strong verb or how much they have the word had Like he had been going to the store, but then he turned around. I don't know. I'm not using very good examples here, but so words like was and had are definitely among the height of words that you're um, trying to get rid of as much as you can. And so for instance, um, another way of um, making a change and using more power words, instead of he was going to the store, you could say he went to the store so you've gone up one level, or you could say he uh, marched to the store if he was angry, or you don't want to go too crazy and start using like these big, bold words that um, have your emotions um, going all over the place. Um, But the idea of using the power words is great. And I just really want to help people to, to recognize if you're um, newer to writing that you don't have to worry about getting this done in the first draft. The more that you do this rewriting and the more you add in um, better word choices, the more it will come naturally to to you and your first drafts will get better and better and you'll probably end up doing less of this kind of revision after the first draft. But I always want to let people know, for your first draft, you just need to get the story down. Get it out on paper. Okay, so speaking of story, one of the other things that you want to make sure is that you are um, giving 
a promise to the reader about what kind of story this is going to be and the kind of style that you plan to write it in. So Laura was talking to us about that she really did not mean to have a funny comment in the opening of her first chapter of her first book, the one that won the big award, because um, she was trying to make sure that readers knew this was going to be an emotional women's fiction novel um, and that, you know, this woman was in crisis at the beginning of the book. Um, the thing is, is though, it, even though we all laugh when we read, you know, the line, thank goodness for the bull semen, the, the, the fact is, is that even as we're laughing, it's more really just an expression of, um, you know, letting out the tension that's been building in us as we read about um, what appears to be a really tragic time of this woman's life. So in some ways, it's sort of just an emotional release. Um, it's a surprise. So surprises always kind of make us laugh, even at times when we're like, oh, I shouldn't be laughing right now, but that just surprised me. I didn't expect it. Um, but it's different from writing a truly comedic opening to a book that's going to be full of um, emotion and, you know, overcoming tragedy and that sort of thing. Now, some of that might seem obvious, but then also, again, when we're talking about rewriting, we're looking to make sure that we're really presenting exactly what we meant to present. So, for instance, um, the fact that you're writing a comedy great, good. You can make sure that people understand when they're reading your first chapter or the beginning of each new chapter, this is a comedy, I'm supposed to laugh. But there's a big difference between light comedy and black humor, for instance. Or there's a big difference between um, like a Hallmark Channel sort of comedy and bathroom humor, like in the movie There's Something About Mary or American Pie. Um, so you need to also make sure that you're consistent in the kind of tone that you're using when you're doing the um, story promise and the style promise. Another example is um, one book may start out with a tragic and emotional murderer kidnapping and the whole book is going to have this kind of tragic, deeply emotional feeling even as they're searching for the the bad guy, you know, the killer or the kidnapper or whatever it is. But you can have a tragic uh, murder at the beginning of your book and have it still be in a style that particularly because of the very next scene that follows it, have it be in a style that, oh, this is a gumshoe private detective sort of novel. Like this is a Raymond Chandler kind of story. Oh, okay. That's, that's totally different from you know, like if Stephen King started something with a murder, you would expect there to be um, some really kind of horror type of elements in it, probably. He has a couple of different styles, but if you're thinking about the horror style, like that would be a different way of doing a murder. You can have murders at the beginning of every episode of the TV show Castle, and Rick Castle is still going to start his scene with some sort of joke or funny line or or something that, that helps you to realize this is a much more lighthearted story sort of murder mystery type of show um, or story, you know, when, when you are reading it. If you haven't read the um, the pre pretend books by Rick Castle, you know, he he's a writer in the TV show, and then they hired um, ghostwriters to write books as if they were written by Rick Castle, and it says by Rick Castle or Richard Castle on it. Uh, I read one of them. I think the first one, um, the first Nikki Heat 
book was it dead heat anyway it's just funny because you're like oh my gosh i'm i'm pretending that i'm reading a book by this pretend character that somebody actually wrote so so that is one of the things to keep in mind also when you're looking at the opening for your book and also the opening for each chapter to make sure that you're staying consistent um, another thing that I find really interesting is the cadence of the words. And Laura writes down on her checklist, make sure you have a compelling cadence. So again, keep in mind, um, for instance, music that's used in movies. Um, when the music is soft and slow and, and kind of these long, um, these long musical phrases, um, then, you know, we can be calmer and um, life is good. And at the very least, life is not bad. But then when you start getting in a whole bunch of, you know, dun, 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 you know, I mean, we always say that now because that's like the, the, the kind of music that we've been hearing in TV and movies when we've just found some un unknown before now unusual fact that oh, that throws the whole who's the bad guy in a whole new light you know so um the actual words that you're putting down on paper they need to kind of inform us of what should we should be feeling right now okay so for instance now um, the protagonist is talking to their family and they're just kind of making plans and it looks like it's going to be a good day so you can use longer sentences extended sentences you know they're separated by um what am i trying to say compound sentences you know where it's like comma and blah 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 um but when it gets to the point where it's like action and um, and like these things are happening, oh my gosh, dun, 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 you know, then you don't want to have compound sentences. You want short sentences. You want them to have the sort of beat when you read them that you would expect if it were, you know, the music of the soundtrack. So, um, you know, you might have, you know, crash, boom, sort of things. Um, you could have one word sentences like that. You could have um, short kind of um, sentence fragments that didn't have a subject in them. Um, anything that would help the reader to understand, okay, there's this action, there's things going on, it's happening quickly. You see, so that sort of thing, that can be a big help in um, helping your reader to just really feel totally involved and also the cadence and rhythm of dialogue. You know, some people speak very formally, say the elves in The Lord of the Rings. They speak very formally. They do not use, um, what is that? If I say do not versus don't, is that a compound? No. <laughs> I just forgot the word. Anyway, they do not uh, contract their words like that to say don't. They would say I do not, not I don't. Um, they have a more formal kind of um, way that they speak versus the dwarves. Um, you know, you can tell even if you didn't hear the actor's voice, you could tell the difference between a dwarf speaking and an elf speaking because they're a little bit less um, polished and um, more brusque and that sort of thing. Uh, so you can keep that in mind too when you're writing the dialogue. You know, what kind of cadence and flow and feel do you get out of um, reading something that you would be listening to if you were there? And then another great one to keep in mind is the difference between the protagonist's need that they think that it is their need and making sure you have a universal need. So for instance, um, Laura had some great examples about, you know, like Katniss and the Hunger Games. Uh, on the one hand, she felt an overwhelming need to protect her sister, which is how she ended up in the 
and the Hunger Games. Then, of course, she had an overwhelming need to survive and live through it. Um, but the needs can be even um, less big than that, uh, not to say smaller, but, um, but they don't have to be so dramatic. So for instance, your protagonist might think that he or she, what they need in order to um, know that they're a success is they need to become the president of this company. That's what they need. And that's what their goal is. They're going to become the president of this company. But what you as the writer and we as the reader begin to understand is that what their real need is, is they have a need for respect from the people around them, a need for other people to think that um, they are a person worthy of respect, a person who can accomplish things that are good. These sorts of things might be coming from their family, from the people they work with. It definitely is something that has to come from within them by the end of the book. And so uh, respect and love and acceptance, these are universal needs that would definitely make readers um, find your story even more appealing, even though you may couch it in terms of the protagonist at first thinking that their need can be fulfilled by, say, becoming the president of the company. So these are just a few of the things that are on Laura's list. And I thought it would just be fun to go through a few of them. And also just to remind you that this list is available to you. So Laura said that you could get it by emailing her from her website, which is Laura Drake Books. And that's L-A-U-R-A-D-R-A-K-E books, B-O-O-K-S dot com. And then you can go to the contact page and, and send her a message there and just say, I listened to you on the Right Now Workshop podcast and I'd love to get a copy of your checklist for openings. There's a whole bunch more. I only went through just a couple of them and, uh, and there's a whole page worth. And I think this will be really fun and useful. It also, in addition to polishing up your final draft before you send it out or publish it or whatever, um, it's also a place where you can just start thinking about how can I write better first drafts so that I can do less of this kind of polishing and less of this kind of editing and focus more on, you know, story editing and that sort of thing after the first draft. And also, you know, some of these things might just give you ideas for how, you know, I, I know I have the story, but I don't really know how it begins. Well, you could try two or three things and just kind of pull off this list and say, okay, well, um, something quirky about the character. All right, well, I'm just going to start writing something like that and see whether or not that becomes the beginning of the story or the beginning of the chapter um, because it just gives me a place to try to start. And so so often, and you probably know this, we just really need to get started and then we begin to find our flow. But that does mean, you know, that sometimes we have to cut out the, the initial beginning because it we were just trying to find our way. Um, so something like this, you know, might be able to help us to uh, get started if we're having trouble. It'll definitely help us to make better starts when we're um, actually in the process. And the more that you write, the more that I write, the easier this is all going to be. But it's a great reminder of things to look into before you get that final, final, final manuscript out. I hope this has been helpful. I hope you're having a great week and we will talk to you more soon. Keep in mind, we have got a great guest coming up on Thursday. Chris Fox is going to be here talking about his new book, Plot Gardening. So I'm really excited to talk to him and uh, have you listen in on our interview. All right. Have a great week.